Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Yes! What is up, everybody? Welcome to Mike Chabala's favorite podcast. show for you today. Not only are we going to get Chuck's thoughts about the game, U.S. versus Canada, barely eking it by thanks to the heroics of Matt Turner in penalties to get to the semifinal against Panama. We're going to preview that Panama game. We got some transfer news and uh, stuff we didn't get to last night, but uh, welcome, Chuck. You look great as always. How are you doing, my friend? And and just jump right in and give us your thoughts. We want your, your raw emotion about last night's results. <laughs> well, uh, I'm I'm happy that the U.S. progressed to the semifinals. It it was a game where John Herdman had, I think, put the perfect tactics to disrupt the way the U.S. played, make it uncomfortable, clog up the midfield. Georgi Mihailovic, I think, struggled to get involved in the game. Gianluca Busio really didn't have a, a strong game until until you know a couple of moments towards the end of the match. So in, in terms of what Canada were able to do, they just frustrated the U.S. men's national team from playing the game. Their, the passing, it was pretty ugly throughout this match. But in the end, they did what they needed to do to get the job done. The man of the match was Matt Turner, of course. And I'd say just underneath Matt Turner, Dewan Jones, his stock continues to rise as a left-back position. I know Heath was really high on John Tolkien, but I, I, I think you have to admit that Dewan Jones has really – separate himself from John Tolkien in terms of, of left back options in, in this pool. So, so just quickly on Dewan Jones, I had said last you night, thought, that I thought, I thought he played a little bit too safe and I thought he kept playing backwards yeah. and, and, and I, I thought it's going to come with time, right? Whoever's playing in front of him, which is going to be a, a rotating person at this point. Sometimes it's Kate Cow, Sometimes it's Zendayas. You just I, want him to play to Zendayas? Well, that's whoa, dude, tap the brakes. I'm, I'm with you on it. I think that Dewan Jones you had Zendayas in your starting lineup. Yeah, you did, Chuck. I I, I was reluctant to put him in my starting lineup, but I would whoa, say whoa, whoa. who who had him in? The you lineup? did. You did. I didn't have him in the starting lineup for this game. Yeah, you did. You said he nope, except on no, the other I side of the not. field. Yeah, you, you did. You said, said except Zendejas on the other started. side of the field. You did say Zendayas. You said put him on the right side. 
I said, if you're going to give him an opportunity, oh, sorry, on the left the side, yeah. side, on yeah. the left, which they which they did, and he and he was not good. I also said no. Kate Cowell should start. Not no, practice. you said put him on the left. Yes, and let him, yeah, let him cut in on his right. You yeah. did anyway. I did. Listen, listen. I'll finish my day. Juan Jones. Listen, I. I what does that, that have to do with anything? Well, because you you going as Zendejas, like who is he going to play to Zendejas? Yeah, exactly. And that's my point. <laughs> We're talking in circles right now. All right, all right. Wait, there's one thing too. Producer Alex and producer Des have this in, in the rundown. We got to get to it here. Uh, well, you actually had a chance to to talk to Matt Turner, and apparently, he couldn't handle your sauce. Uh, so, so <laughs> we got to take a look at this video. Let's let's uh, let's roll this clip, please. Hopefully, producer Alex has it ready. I don't think he's got it ready. Not yet. Not yet. Not well, you know what? Just roll it whenever you're ready. <laughs> we'll no, producer Alex, you got you got it. All right, we'll see. We'll see. But 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 were there any other standouts for you, Chuck, while he's getting this prepared? And then we'll we'll throw to it. Outside of Matt Turner, outside of Dewan Jones, did you see any other glimpses that you were enough to go, hey, I we got we gotta give him another run out? Because for me, I said it yesterday, Zendejas, I uh, I've seen enough and I, I want to see Kate Cal or somebody else get those those minutes instead. No, if I'm gonna be honest, the the only players that I felt had a good game where Matt Turner and Dewan Jones and Jesus Ferreira in this game, I think did a good job of, of checking back because the midfield was, was non-existent for the U S massage team in this game. So he checked back when it made sense, but he also stayed high. I thought he did a good job of balancing the two. He had some good touches. His holdup play is not strong when he has his back to goal and he's trying to back down a center back. That's that hasn't been his game. Now he can improve in that area, but it hasn't been his game. So he did a good job of checking off the center back, like bumping him and creating that room of separation. Maybe it was a, a step or two away from the center back. That's where he could excel. And I thought he did a pretty good job of, of playing off of Stephen Vittoria because Vittoria is, is not good when he has to, has to come off um, his back line and, and try and defend 1v1. That's not his game. But if you have your back to him and he can hold you, that's when, or or playing in the air, he's going to win win those duels. And I thought Ferreira did a pretty good job of of balancing when to check, when to bounce off and find space. But there there were no options in the midfield because Canada absolutely um, outplayed the U.S. men's national team midfield in this game. Okay, so before we take a step further, and I think the the natural evolution of this conversation is like, well, what is our starting lineup against Panama? But but I do want to get to this Matt Turner video that that uh that chuck is a part of so let's let's uh take a listen or and or watch very beginning as a rookie i remember taking a lot of pens on you <laughs> and you were going the wrong way you, you weren't you weren't you weren't able to save my hot sauce now i don't know if i'm scoring on you what what what's been the, what's been the big difference for you where where did you develop this timing? And and also, it seems like you're into the striker's head. You're, you're, you're making him second-guess himself before he even takes the shot. Yeah, I'd say uh, just lots of practice of times like that, you know, learning guys' tendencies, um, practicing timing, practicing. Like, timing is so important in goalkeeping. All right. So, Chuck, you were banging on goals and Matt Turner. That was like your flex of the day. No, nice, no. nice shirt, by the way. You're wearing the same shirt. Nice job. It, it, it's, it's not a flex. What, I think it's more important his work ethic and his commitment because the top his rookie year was my last year at the Reds. 
and I was coming back from cancer. I was coming back from my kids being born early in the hospital. So mentally and physically, I wasn't there, but he was willing to train every single day because I was trying to do all this extra to try and get back. As it sounds as like he was letting you score then, Chuck, you know, like taking it all <laughs> into account. It sounds like maybe. Well, it was character building. He was staying an hour after practice yeah. when no one else would to, to give his time because one, he knew he was helping me, but he's also helping himself. So when I talk about kid, guys who are just, you know, all about the team and all about a good work ethic, he he stands out in front of in, in front of a, a million people just because of his humility and and just to see his growth. To, he's wor- a world class shot stopper, penalty stop uh, when it comes to penalty kicks. He's world class. And Kevin Hitchcock, he alluded to that, the goalkeeper coach for the Revolution, who developed him, but also is developing George Petrovic. So two top goalkeepers who are going to be playing in Europe. And then Brad Friedel is the one who kind of gave Matt Turner his, his opportunity. And we all know how good Brad Friedel was as a, as a penalty kick stopper. So um, it, it's just good to see Matt Turner and, and how he's able to to continue to, to develop. Okay. Let's, let's, let's leave the kind of on the field development of Matt Turner aside for right now. Obviously it's, it's, uh, it's on display for us to see, especially in penalties. And, but what I want to talk about is intangibles. Cause I feel like he's really evolving as a leader. And I think not only will that be important for the national team, but also for his club situation, assuming he can find a way to become the number one, either at Arsenal or somewhere else. Talk to us about what you've seen from that standpoint, because it's not easy, Mm -hmm. right? Goalkeepers take it a little bit longer to develop, but you're the last line of defense. You get to see the whole field and you're not always tethered to the game. Sometimes you're watching your team have, you know, 75% possession or whatever it may be. But it seems like in this particular tournament, he's taking big steps and becoming a leader. He, had told BJ Callahan he wanted to play in both tournaments. He wanted to be the guy that they relied on and took on that responsibility. And I think it's showing. Obviously, he single-handedly, I think, led us into this situation where we're in the semifinal. How important do you think that is? Because not only am I judging him with regard to leadership, Chuck, I thought Miles Robinson, I was a little let down from him in, in that aspect last night. We needed him to be the guy. Jalen Neal's the younger guy next to him. I think Miles is usually the younger guy next to somebody else. And we needed him to have that type of presence. And I think we he lacked that a little bit last night, which is part of my disappointment in his performance. So you have guys like Matt Turner that are going to step up. And I think we lacked some leaders last night. We did enough to get the result. But but let's talk about the leadership aspect because that could be absolutely massive moving forward for this national team. Well, Matt Turner, we we all are, are leaders in our own way in a lot of, ter- a lot of cases. And, and for Matt Turner, the only way he was going to lead is by leading by example in the initial stages because you have to prove yourself sure you, you have to you have respect to is one, earned, get, right respect one, is earned. yes you, you got to get the playing time then you got to get the move even though you're at a massive club like arsenal which is a, a step many players don't take you're not playing and now you're coming to the u.s men's national team and all of a sudden you're competing for the number one spot you win it how do you keep that spot and keep the guys to have that same faith in you and, and belief when you're not playing with your club and and most of them are saying, Hey, I'm not playing. If, if I'm not playing with my club, why does he get the pass? So what, what keeps you in that spot is how you, how you train, how you treat your, your, your fellow colleagues and, and teammates and your coaches and, and your, your command, your presence. And I think what, what separates Matt Turner from, from everyone else is he is just so gifted at, 
at finding the pulse of the team and knowing who needs encouragement, who needs to be pushed. He's always willing to listen. He, he's, he's a selfless guy. And where he's developed the most at Arsenal is his, his feet, his ability to play with his feet. And that was Greg Berhalter's main concern. We all know Matt, Matt Turner is one of the best shot stoppers that the U.S. Um, has and, and is, is going on his path to ever has because of his, his reactions. Big wingspan, great, uh, great kid. And, and just he needed a, a quality coach to help him get started. And you go from Brad Friedel to, to Kevin Hitchcock, though, that is where he really developed because he started so late in his game. Right. So when you have the work ethic and now you're getting world-class coaching, that's all, that's all he needed. And now he's he's flourishing because he's still learning because he started so late in the game. What you love about Matt Turner is in those big moments he comes up for his for his squad. And you you as a, as a viewer you have to say this this is the guy because he's only getting better. He's hungry and realistically is he going to be the number one at Arsenal? No, unless Aaron Ramsdale gets hurt. Aaron Ramsdale is the most expensive keeper in the world right now, and he's arguably England's one or or he's he's heading that way. So. Is he doing everything in his power to control what he can control? Yes, because his stock is still rising, and he's not even playing with this club. So yeah. you, you you hope that he gets a move, and whether that's a loan uh, or a permanent buy because the club is like, hey, he can be our number one, and they're a top club. But either way, you know he's got the goods, even if he's not playing consistently at Arsenal. And I know we always talk about players have to be playing with their club to be playing with the national team. He's the best keeper in the pool right now. Not okay, even so- and it's not even close. Okay, so Heath, I actually want to take what Charlie said. I like this, that, he, that he's kind of got a pulse of the team. He has an idea of how to lead and picking his spots as to when to do that. And we've obviously been around multiple players that have that ability. But do you, as BJ Callahan, at this point, the team has played four games in the Gold Cup. You have some performances, some up and down performances from his back four. Would you go to Matt Turner, the leader, and say, hey, Matt, who do you want playing in front of you? Do you give him that type of input? At Hell this point? no, no, Jimmy. no. no. Oh, I, you you're telling me you wouldn't go to him and say, "Hey, I, I, no, Jimmy, I would you if I was if I if, Why if there you? was anything I was saying about Matt Turner to the rest of the team? Why, why, I, I would say, remember when Matt Turner came into the national team and where he was, the respect, the lack of respect anybody had for him as as a national team starting goalkeeper, and the developmental curve that he's had to becoming. Not just a shot shot stopper, but facing the criticism of a couple bad matches to improving his feet to becoming the guy that when you look at this team or you look at our A team, you go, this is a guy who's a leader. He's a guy that's going to deliver. That's who I would be pointing to as somebody who's been through tough times and continue to rise. That's how I'd be using. I certainly wouldn't be asking him his opinion on. Plus, wait, 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 wait. Are, are, are you, are, are you suggesting are that? Are you, wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm almost certain. I'm almost certain that Bruce yeah. Serena would ask Claudia Reyna about the temperature of how who he liked to play with in the middle of midfield. Like, do you not think that that doesn't happen? Like, you're going to go talk to your captain. Yeah, but he wasn't asking. No. He wasn't asking Claudia Reyna when you know at the point that Matt Turner has become a leader, but. It's it's not Tim Howard. I'm, I'm, listen, you know, I know like that. he's not 14 years <laughs> yeah, older in the yeah. No, I get, you know, you, you, I get that. No, he, but, hasn't, he hasn't he hasn't played in Champions I'm not League and Europa like, League and all dude, these who things. Who do you think should you start? Can... I'm just saying, like in terms of like getting a temperature of who do you who do you who who's helping the game be easier for? Oh you? yeah, I don't you, I don't think that's can, a you can certainly ask like what there's what's, a real thin line then between I guess what what we're saying here yeah. between like hey who no, do you want to start but, in front of you and yeah. and who do you like playing with? Yeah, yeah but, I, but I you as you as a coach was, you can see it starting. you can see it for yourself you don't even have to ask that question. Well, I, 
I, he's I play, do he's playing in front of Miles Robinson and Jalen Neal. You, you don't I get that, but I think question. it's naive to I'll, think I'll, that, I'll that no coaches ask their 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 stud players like who they want to play with. I mean, no, no, no I sure. I don't think it's about. I don't think it's who he wants in front of him. So okay, that's fine. There's distinctions I do think he can say, hey, from what I'm seeing from my position, from this area on the field, he's second guessing himself, you know, or this player. Like you can have an open conversation as a leader to a to a coach or a leader to a staff. Well, like, that's those just are a thinly veiled way of saying who do you want to start with. But OK, I mean, we're I don't think there. so, because the coach still has to be accountable for the of course, of course, of course, field. of course, like, yeah, you yeah. know. I mean, I would love if BJ asked Matt, and then at the press conference afterwards, he's like, "Well, Matt told me he wanted me to start these guys." Yeah, no, that, yeah. that <laughs> it didn't you, work out. <laughs> I, I think, I think there's a line that you you can't cross as a coach because then you lose respect because you're supposed to be making. No, decisions. of course, you, of course, you don't put you don't put that on a player to say, "I want X player playing versus X player," and then all of a sudden it no, gets I, out I, or right, it's, right, it's, right, right, or you know because the next thing you know, the, they lose the game or whatever, and Turner's like, "Hey, yeah." But this guy, BJ, he told me to pick the team. Like, or I, I had, you know, you you don't. I get what you're saying. Chance, I, I just right? think you, hey. I, why wouldn't you go get input from certain players? I I've clearly didn't phrase that initially as well as I could. Hey, have, but real quick. But I think you go get input from, from Gold. Real from quick. Gold. Yeah. Jimmy, I know, I know we're heading towards the first break of the show, but Alex has some stuff he wants to be able to show us. So I just want to roll this clip real quick before we. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm looking forward to this. Tries and Dejas on the left wing this time. Because it seemed like he's more comfortable coming inside, <laughs> playing on the left, than he is going down the right with this stronger right foot. Keep those and gloves up. Chuck. Keep those gloves up. Keep those gloves up. All right, Chuck. Chuck. Hey, 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 on the defend yourself, hey, Chuck. I'll I'll defend myself. Zendejas <laughs> was not doing the job on the right wing, so they moved okay. him to the left. Okay, because you had to you had to try something. If you're giving this kid an opportunity to play, go to the left side. He didn't do it. And my point to you when you said, well, you know, I, I don't think Dewan was, was aggressive enough or he, he wasn't I going just was playing safe because he, he did. He had Zendejas in front of him. You're right. Because Zendejas was giving up the ball every single time. And, and Zendejas is playing without confidence. So ultimately, you don't want to take those risks. And, and I, I get it because the midfield was shut down because Canada was doing a good job of throwing Bambito Osorio and, and Ahmed in there, just clogging it up. Mihailovic had no space. He was trying too much. Busio was giving up the ball too too many times. So, and James Sands isn't a player that makes the game. So, I think from that perspe- perspective, you you have to play yeah. safe. I right. I will I will say I will say to this though that on a night like that, right? Chuck went with Dewan Jones. I thought Dewan Jones personally wasn't wasn't good because of my expected expectations. Of him. Obviously, that ball and you find a way to be impactful. That's unbelievable ball that he put in. That's next level ball. On a night that Dewan Jones, like nine others to me, had a bad night. And like Chuck said, well, what's Dewan Jones supposed to do, right? And if Dewan Jones is next to Jalen Neal, who's also struggling, he's like, well, I can't cheat forward and make the next play because I got to cover this guy next to me. And if Jalen Neal, like, you know what I mean? On these nights where it's like seven, eight guys that I think are pretty ineffective, it is really hard to pinpoint. And if you're a player on the field, we've been we've been in those where you're like, well, I didn't do anything bad but I also I mean Dewan Jones ended up having an unbelievable ball but like you also know that maybe it's an indifference performance right it, it didn't elevate you it didn't drop you and that's the way I saw most of these guys in that game or just it was just sort of like wait a new... that ball didn't elevate him that ball no no, that he yeah. played with no of, of course it elevated oh, him like okay. I you know like I I I, I do that but it, it's otherwise he found a way to be impactful in a in a massive in the biggest of moments, right? It, the U.S. should have been able to see it out at that point, but but um, obviously we know the story from there. Um, 
but but I was saying over an, over 90 minutes against this Canada side, and it's a game of margins against the quality of these players between these two teams and Canada's tactics and the way they wanted to play. I thought most of the players probably looked around and were like, dude, I, these guys next to me are making my life hard. I'm making their lives hard. And everybody just sort of was out of that sort of rhythm that it was hard for me to grade anybody on a high level other than, you know, Matt Turner. And I thought, you know, Busio. And again, in the details of some of the things Busio did, I, I liked. But overall, it was tough to give anybody real credit for that game. As All right, we're gonna take we're gonna take our first break of in soccer we trust. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the US men's national team, but as it pertains to our upcoming semifinal against Panama. So do not go anywhere. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. the drum out welcome back to a soccer we trust i'm jimmy conrad alongside charlie davies and heath pierce and we are going to stop looking back we're going to look forward to our semifinal against panama now panama won their group two wins one draw and i think they had their best performance in the quarterfinals against qatar they won four zero could have been eight based on uh, what i got to watch and see uh, ishmael diaz ended up having a hat trick the fastest hat trick in gold cup history i think three goals in nine minutes but Missed a couple sitters as well. He could have had six or seven goals. What I think, and I want to hear obviously from Charlie and Heath about this, and Heath, I'll come to you first, but but what I think about Panama and where I think they have an advantage over every team in this competition outside of us in Mexico, I guess we, we, we're in this space too, but, but Panama in particular has an advantage even over the U.S. and Mexico because they were part of the Nations League as well. And they got two games in the Nations League. And they brought the same exact roster from the Nations League to the gold cup they've had a week and a half two extra weeks of training with their manager thomas christensen and i think it's starting to show they they play three in the back sometimes it's a three four two one three four one two but that is something that we struggled with that canada played with the back three as well and if they're as organized as canada was and i think they're a little bit more dynamic going forward or at least have a little bit more of an identity or have players that can hurt us a little bit more than canada could and we still gave up a couple chances to, to Canada. I, 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 this Panama team looks very, very good. And, and I think that, that that togetherness of being around each other is, is starting to play out. And I only say that because I thought they were very, very impressive against Qatar, where there was really only one team on the field, and it just took them a little while to hit the back of the net. Heath, does this Panama team, like, where do they scare you, and, and, and how worried should we be on a scale of 1 to 10? Honestly, I, I I was more worried about Canada than I'm about Panama. That's not a disrespect to Panama. Just the way in which they play and we play, I think there will be chances. If you look at the first 15 minutes against Qatar, there was chances for both teams. It was a, yeah, it was yeah, pretty yeah. wide open. Um, and it just depends on how they're going to set up and where they're going to clog. It's a game where I actually think there's more opportunity for Vasquez and there's more opportunity for even Gressel, who I thought was ineffective. But at least you're talking about if the clock if they clog up the midfield or it's through the center of the park. There's more options out wide, and we, we we can go back as far as we want to like breaking down blocks if a team can get disciplined in our blocks and our inability to break them down through passing and probing and things like that. And if it's going to need to come from wide areas, we need players that can cross the ball. I'll, I'll give you that. But I'm not as worried about – Panama are really good, 
they showed some vulnerabilities against Qatar, obviously in the second half. Uh, you know, Ismail Diaz with the with the hat trick, I thought was phenomenal, but it wasn't like blown out in the way that the scoreline was until you know again in the second half. They 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 showed some vulnerabilities. So I think the U.S. I'm if they play the way they did against Canada, I'm worried. But I think that this team has another gear that they obviously were missing that day. So um, I still think the U.S. can win this one after some further uh, reflection. <laughs> yeah, some reflection, just sitting there thinking about their thoughts and in their feelings a little bit. Now, Chuck, when I look at Panama as well, their average age of this team is around 28, 29. And they've got a lot of guys with some experience, whereas our team is a bit of a mix, right? we got some older guys, we got some younger guys, and we're still, I think, trying to identify exactly who the best 11 is. So so how about you with regard to Panama? Uh, they're going to obviously provide some some challenges for us, but mm-hmm. what are you thinking? I'm thinking the strength of their team is in their midfield, in Karaskia and Godoy. Um, I got to call both their games in the Nations League, and what stood out to me is that Karaskia is the player who tries to break out of the midfield and create for Panama and Godoy kind of sits and tries to control the tempo. Those two make their team and, and they only play with two in the midfield. So you can overrun them if you're playing with three, because their goal is to get it wide and whip balls in. That's their strength, set pieces and, and crosses. That's how Panama can hurt you. And I, I think if the U S come with a proper game plan of, of controlling the game and, and not letting Karaskia and Godoy dictate this, this match, they win this game. Because this Panama team, though, is is better than the Canada side. This is Panama's A team versus this Canada BC team. And the the midfield is much stronger, and I, their attackers are stronger. I think Jose Fajardo is one of those players who just always run. He's active. He, he hunts the ball. They're good in the counter press. Hey, they're number Panamanian 10. They're number are, 10. Barcenas is a baller, too. You know, if he, yeah. if he can so find the Eric ball Davis. and pockets the space. Yeah, I mean, they've got some players. Um. So, so I guess what's interesting about this particular game is you think that BJ Callahan will go to a double pivot to potentially counter what mm. Panama provides. I hope that he doesn't, but I'm curious to see if he does. Uh, with that said, I'm very curious as to what you guys think will be the starting lineup or what you'd like to see. There's a part of me now at this point, after seeing Julian Gressel kind of get in the way of Brian Reynolds last night, they're both trying to occupy the same space to hit yep. the Yep, can't, can't do it. I can't do it. I, I I don't want to see that. But I do think there's an interesting twist here because when when Vasquez came on and, and we elected to keep Ferreira on as well, we dropped him more into midfield than actually out as a winger. I, if we want to do that and, and keep Brian Reynolds, which I want to see, I would have Ferreira out on the right wing. I want to see Vasquez and I want to see Cade Cal start. I, these guys are our most dynamic players so far in this tournament. Get Vasquez up high. Get Ferreira out wide. Cal on the other side. And then Ferreira can pinch in and create a bit of a box. But Cal's only been good as a sub, by the way. Like he hasn't, it, it, you I know, when that. he when he starts and the game is tight. Same with Gressel, and even even with Sands. I, I I think about when the game is tight. These aren't playmaking types of guys. Jackson Yule's better at playing through passing as as a holding midfielder. I wouldn't go with a double pivot, but I, I agree with you at least on the right hand side. Like you, if you can't adjust to the game and be staggered off of each other, and you're both just painting the white line on the right hand side. It's a pretty easy thing to play against. Yeah, and then obviously a big question here from Deep Houser. Will Chuck elect to start Zendejas again? Chuck? <laughs> um, the answer is no. <laughs> the, the Deep Houser. Cade uh, Cowell has only started in the group stage against St. Kitts, right? So they, they were up. They won 6-0 and they scored. When he was in the match, they had scored five goals. 
So I'm going to go with Cade Cowell on one wing, and Ferreira on the right wing, and, and Vasquez up top. Ah, I love it, Chuck. Me and you on the same page, baby. Let's go. Because, because Jesus Ferreira, as a, as a, as a midfielder, as an attacking midfielder in that trio, I, I think it doesn't fit. He's, he's better to play as a right winger and, and come inside as opposed to being an attacking central player because the transition, I don't think he's the strongest at. And so I, I say you run it back with the, the midfield trio because, uh, you know, you, you, you're, you're dropping in quality, if, I think, if you replace let one me, of those. Let me ask you this, Chuck. Let me ask you this with that midfield three then. Yeah. Does it not make more sense to – I mean, look, I'd love for us to go and dictate the game from start to finish in this one. But with Ferreira on the wing, you're talking about a guy who Ferreira does not like to track back. He doesn't want to play defense. He doesn't want to come all the way back next to Reynolds and make that play. Nor do we want to waste in his energy doing that. If we can be, I I fully agree. But if you play with the single six and two eights, you're not having all that coverage all the time. If if Reynolds is going to go and Ferreira is up high as well, and you're exposed in those moments, a single six. No, 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 no. Reynolds doesn't go. Reynolds doesn't need to go. You have you have Jesus Ferreira playing as your right winger. He, Reynolds, I, yeah, I'll but you got to create Reynolds, the overloads. I guess what I'm saying, you got to create some overloads sometimes. It's, it, it's all about timing. It's yeah. not you just go, go, go. Yeah, when sure, the, sure. When the moment's there and Jesus Ferrer comes inside, the over and and the overlaps there. Go ahead. But so what, I think what we learn in this game is Brian Reynolds isn't the smoothest in the attack. So I think like Dewan Jones, patience. Let the plays develop. You don't have to get forward every time the the, the U.S. has the ball, and that's what I think Dewan Jones has worked at continuously because he was guilty of I'm just bombing forward because I have that pace yeah. and, and no one's going to catch me. I, 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 I preach if I'm BJ patience, let's have structure. Let's not get mm-hmm. out of place. We can win this game just by controlling the midfield. What, when you control the midfield and you don't allow Panama to break out in these counters or break out in transition, you've won the game because you're going to neutralize them. That's when they're dangerous is when the game gets open, Eric Davis gets in, whips in a ball, or they, they get that corner kick. Other than that, I'm good with that hey, trio. Jimmy, Jimmy, can I can, – can I, uh, you know how many times a coach came up to my locker right before a game and said, hey, Heath, you know, pick and choose your moments, you know, like keep that balance. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, for sure, coach. And then that first kickoff <laughs> happens, overlap, get up into the attack. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, coach, I got you. you got overlap, you. I'm I going. You. I'm going. My six will cover me. So I think – I actually think what's interesting is that – and I assume we would all agree that we've had a trouble kind of building out of the back. And, and I think that – and where I got a little bit frustrated, Chuck, you, you weren't part of it, the podcast last night where – we had six days to prepare for this Canada game, and it looked like we had had one day. We just didn't look. We looked really disjointed. And you'd think we would have eliminated some of that disjointedness. Now, I know some of it's Canada and their tactics, but we still didn't solve those problems. With regard to this, I think we're going to see something similar. I think that that Thomas Christensen, the manager of Panama, is going to take notes from what Canada did and did well, especially on the defensive side of the ball. With Ferreira coming in, I think you can create a bit of a box because what you can do is if Sands drops in, I'm going to have the same starting midfield, by the way, of Sands, Busio, and Mihalovic. But you could create a box in midfield where Ferreira comes in, you almost have double tens with Mihalovic and, and Ferreira finding those pockets of space. And then Busio can drop down a little bit. And then you have a back three. So then Reynolds can go wide, or if it's going the other side, Dewan Jones can go wide. And, and you've now started to create, you're going to spread out Panama in some ways. And now you've created two. You can kind of go into a double pivot to build out, but ultimately, as the game starts to develop, then you can move back into uh, having a double eight, and then Ferrer can kind of pick his spots going forward. But I think that could help unlock a few things, 
because that would create that overload. We, we would then create a 4v3 in the middle of midfield. And I know that you say it's really just Godoy. Um, and, and Karaskia. That's yeah, it. It, the, it literally is. Dynamo. It's just those but, two in the midfield. But, but again, if, if when you have – and I know I'm a fan. Like I can see what Ferrer is trying to do a lot, right? I, I think he's got a high IQ for the game, and Mihalovic does as well. So if you give them a little bit of freedom to like try to find those ways to create that. But not the, the real delicate thing for me as a coach is – I wouldn't want them to don't drop too deep, right? It's trying to find that that sweet spot of not dropping too deep because that'll allow Panama to just keep the game in front of us. So we still got to break the lines with some of our passing, but I think if we went into a back three when we build out and allow Reynolds to get a little higher, Dewan Jones, I think that could solve a few of our issues. And then it, it would force Panama to have to adjust in a way that maybe we they haven't faced an opponent like us so far. J- Jimmy, who do you start at center back? Does Jalen Neal start again? Yeah, I start Jalen Neal again. Uh, I, he falls into the Cade Cal kind of ideal for me that hey this is a young guy he's going to be somewhat inconsistent i, I still want to roll with him i know what miazga and, and long can do and and uh yeah. I, I don't need to see those guys anymore i want to i want to see Jalen neal work through adversity and, yeah. and have matt turner behind him and have miles robs i want to see miles work through that as well and actually i would demand a lot of miles to have more of a presence from a leadership standpoint to, to really make sure that he's the guy and i i thought he didn't showcase that last night, and I would ask more of him for that. And I'd still stay with Dewan Jones and Brian Reynolds. I, I think that's our back four uh, moving forward that I that I want to see. I don't know what you guys think for midfield. You keeping that for a, you keeping that for a, if this happens? And we talked about this yesterday a little bit, Jimmy. You keeping the same back line for the final? Yeah, I would. If we so, got to the final and got through Panama, well, you can't you can't change it at that can't point. Can't change it. That's what I'm saying. But you know that temptation rolls in of being like, yeah, but you know, like uh, I, we gave you five games. You need a six, Jalen. Like we're gonna go with uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, you, you know six somebody is of course. You know, uh, we're yeah. gonna go with a, a veteran because that's the easy default, right? In those types of ones. But I, I agree. I think Jalen Neal. The problem with Jalen Neal is he's got really good moments and he's got really bad moments and he's a young player and that's what happens, right? Is like when he gets exposed, he gets really exposed and things things happen. But for a player with his talent and his upside, this is invaluable. I don't think you do that at the cost of of winning a game, but I think he's he, he's shown in other ways, duels and scraps when he doesn't get pulled when he gets pulled out to the wings, he's done, right? He gets he gets he gets blown apart. But uh, otherwise. I think that uh, you keep. I'm, I'm going with the same back line, same midfield as well. Um, and I like for. I actually, you guys have me on Ferreira out on the wing because I think when he was in the center, yes, yes. when he was in the center. But that I might, go, I might actually go rolled on on one side and and Ferreira on the other. Um, <laughs> and Cal coming in. But I, I, I will say that uh, when Ferreira was in the middle, he was trying to be a midfielder too much, and at times was coming really deep to get the ball, which I like. I like him to get his touches. But that leaves a gigantic gap, and and the more that I can keep Ferreira as a as a true withdrawn you know striker and connected to a striker up top, like I'm I'm all for it. Thanks. You're guys. such an MLS chill. He, yeah. Thanks, guys. You guys want me Cal over? Plays in MLS too. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys want me to do? Cancel the tournament? Come on. <laughs> that's what that's what fans fans on Twitter are like. Cancel the tournament. You know, like what what I don't which which. Which is funny because I think the only way Jalen Neal in particular, Kate Cal in particular, get better is if they get repetitions in game-like situations against opponents that they don't see very often. Like, how else are we going to evaluate those guys? How else are they going to get better if they're not seeing those types of things in, in, in high pressure? So it's yeah. kind of funny. Like, this is an insane opportunity to get some of our players to see our player pool and how they respond. And, and for the ones that sink or swim, right? If they can handle it and can manage it, cool. They can continue to stay in the player pool. And if they can't, 
Thanks, thanks for coming out and playing. Having said that, we're about <laughs> we're about we're about five minutes from getting the boot in the quarterfinal of the Gold Cup. So, I mean, again, it doesn't matter. We all know we've been in tight, hairy moments like that. You get out of them, and you you realize, you know, that's why my thing says. Learning and winning is greater than learning and losing, guys. Chuck can't see it because he's on his, his iPhone 4S. No, no, Chuck's right trying now, to read so the comments right now. How yeah, is no, Chuck getting I, into you, the comments you, on a phone? I don't know, but hey, he's figured it hey, out. All I know, yes, I, I did figure it out. You know I had to get in the comments. So oh, uh, this, this, this the man of the people. Soccer USA, if Jesus plays winger, where does that put him on the national team depth chart? Well, Chuck, you're a resident number nine. You go ahead. You go first. Well, Balogun's still one. Pepe's still two. And now you have Jesus Ferreira as three, but Josh Sargent is right there. Because I still feel that Josh Sargent, in, in that performance in the World Cup against Iran, unfortunately he got injured. But that was the best I've seen him in a U.S. men's national team jersey. Now, was he, he was lacking the goal part, but he, he, where he improved tremendously is the impact part. Uh-huh. Making runs, doing the dirty work, the hold-up play. Get finding the good spots, so that's still a player who I think is is has a lot to gain this season, especially with Timu Puki going to Minnesota. He'll be the the, the striker. He's got to deliver in the championship, try and get promoted or try and get a move with his performances this season. So he's still in the conversation. And then uh, Jesus Ferreira is is flirting with you, with him right now. And then Brandon Vasquez is, is is still his stock is rising. Yeah, I mean Vasquez, I think gives us a different type of player profile than. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of the other guys, and I think that helps like him. Scoring penalties. <laughs> well, his penalty, I don't think, has come down yet. I think it's still on the rise. So fair play to Chuck, him on that. Chuck, Chuck, it's going to hit Chuck on his boat soon. You know what I mean? It's still flying. He's going to find <laughs> it out in the water. So it's gonna, Chuck, Chuck's going to find a floating ball out out next to his yacht. <laughs> so, so Heath, do you feel like, and I, I feel like this, that because Jesus could drop in as a ten, or, or if, if he does well in a somewhat winger position, a hybrid winger position an almost second striker hybrid winger that, that obviously creates value for him to, to, I guess, go higher up the, the national team player pool depth chart because he can play multiple positions. I think that's a, a benefit, but, but if you are like number three or number four in each of those positions, I don't know how excited he'd be about that it, as it, opposed it, to being like as close be to number benefit, one as possible. Jimmy. What's that? It can't be, it can't be a benefit just because the wingers are, that's like, I know I get it. I get it. I, I'm just he, trying to create like, some value for the guy. I do. I do think, I just think Ross, <laughs> he's got quality, dude. He's got quality. Yeah, hey, he I'll, I'll tell you this. If I, if I had, I, I do think that had I played uh, right back uh, a season longer or had, had played more center back in my career. And I talking about 2010, I think there is some, when you get to the bottom of a roster a player that you can throw into a number of spots, but if you're three or four on those, I think that makes it even harder, right? If you're, right, if you're right. two in one and maybe three in the other in a bind, like if you're a left midfielder, they can drop the left back and you have some of those types of tools in a bind. I think that helps. But if you're not, ultimately, Ferrer is going to be judged yeah, on, on his ability sure. to score goals. Right. And, yeah. and, and so can he, can he move into some other spots and have some versatility that will help his game grow? Yeah. But I, I, I him specifically, I, I don't see it helping necessarily. And does I, he have the vibes? The vibes are very important under Greg, yeah. as we know. The vibes. I, I think. I think as an attacker, you you have to be pretty position specific in terms of what you bring to the table. Are you a striker or are you a winger that can play on both sides? But in terms of being a, a winger or a striker and then being able to play midfield or right back or left back, um, Timothy Way is probably the only player that can do that. Other than that, I think you got to be 
as good as you possibly can in one spot just because of the, the crazy depth in, 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 in this pool. All right, we're going to take our second to last break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we're going to talk some transfer news for some of the players in our player pool. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy alongside Heath and Chuck. And we have some transfer news to get into for our U.S. Men's National Team player pool. And we're going to start with Brendan Aronson, who completes a season-long loan move to Union Berlin in the Bundesliga. And and you see that uh, Paramount Plus on the on the shirt? You see that Paramount Plus right under the crest? Nice. Uh, yeah, dude. Way, dude. Plus getting after it. You love to see it. So I love this quote from Brendan Aronson. He said, uh, a year ago, I wouldn't have believed that I'm here and can play in the Champions League with, with Union. I look forward to the year ahead with joy and confidence, and I want to help uh, ensure that we have another successful season. There's a lot of wheeze going on there. <laughs> and uh, the Leeds fans have jumped on this quote and and, and are hating on Brendan oh, Aronson because obviously. a year ago he was with them and he was excited to play in the Premier League and now they got relegated and and uh, he's jumping ship to not help them get back up. And and now saying things like, oh, I couldn't have believed that I'd be playing in the Champions League with the Bundesliga club and, and uh, almost just rewriting history about what just happened in this past year. But... Let's leave that aside. I understand where the Leeds fans' bitterness is coming from because I would be upset about that too. And, and you want to see the players that the rug. Ha- well, it had to, you know, if if you want to see the players have some accountability for the failure, right? You want to see them fight through it and have success and get them back up to where they they believe they belong. And obviously, having Leeds in the Premier League always just feels better. But Brendan Shepardship going to the Bundesliga, playing in the Champions League. I think from a individual player perspective, ah, it's pretty awesome for Brendan. But um, I wonder how he's going to be utilized. I, I, I'm a big fan of their manager, Urs Fischer. I think, obviously, getting a club of that size into the Champions League is a huge accomplishment. But we've seen, even we use Eintracht Frankfurt uh, of recent years, it's hard to balance the European success with trying to, obviously, maintain consistency in your league form as well. Eintracht have struggled with that over the, a couple of years, even though they've had success in the Europa League and, and so on. This is uh, what, what are we feeling about this particular move? Uh, Charlie, I'll come to you first. Well, he can always ask his 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 brother how to deal with the Europe and, and Bundesliga balance. That's true. You know? That's true. That's true. <laughs> Paxton, Paxton, the younger brother, who I think is is going to get some playing time this year. So it'll be interesting to see how the Aronson is doing the Bundesliga. But in in this three five two system that Union Berlin playing, I think it's going to really help Brent Aronson. There's going to be more space for him to play, where he's going to improve anyways is playing in tight spaces in midfield, being knocked around physically. How does he cope with that? How does he impact the game if there is no space to run into? Touches on the ball. Can can he play those one-twos and generate opportunities for his teammates? He, we know he's unselfish, and, and he's got quality. And counter-pressing is arguably he's one of the best uh, midfielders that the U.S. have in terms of pressing. But that's one style of play, and that's the Gagan press and, and the RB Leipzig philosophy, the Red Bull philosophy. I want that out the window. Let's because that that style is getting old. Sure, you can take some concepts from it, but you have to evolve from that in terms of playing, getting on the ball and dictating the tempo, switching the point of attack, running at players 1v1, playing one twos. That's where Brent Aronson can improve. And I think in this system and with this team, finding P playing one twos off of P uh, and Sheraldo Becker, I, I'm, I'm hyped to see what Brent Aronson can do in the Bundesliga with this team. It's a great opportunity for him. Yeah, Heath, I mean, there's something to be said 
with regard to the amount of success that he's had, kind of playing the one style that Charlie's talking about. Can he find that next layer, you know, to add that nuance to his game where he, as obviously we want this and you want this for every player if you're developing anybody, but to be unstoppable, right? Okay, if they take away your plan A, you, you've got a plan B that can also give you success in different ways. You know, how does he develop that here? When he, It's tough, though, as a player. Like, oh, I've been so good at this. This is what's got me the success to get away from that. But we know that yeah. he's got to add that nuance. So what, what, do, you, what yeah. do you say? But when I go back to the type of person he is, character type, right? I'm not talking about like, oh, yeah, cares about the team. I'm talking about the fact that he is an actual student of the game, right? He's going to go there. He wants to learn. He wants to be. He, th- he thrived in a very structured tactical environment previously. Nothing about Leeds was 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 tactical and whatever. It was survival from the very beginning and just chaos, right? Week in and week out, he struggled there. Confidence fell, fell apart. I think this is a new opportunity for him to be in an environment, especially in Germany, where it's very much about tactics. It's about the team mentality. It's about finding a way to contribute. It's about being put into your box, uh, your parameters, and then thriving within those parameters. I think those are all things that, again, you go back to Ernst Tanner, uh, who's very, very German in the style of which, you know, helped Brendan Aronson along the, the, along the way. I think about that as, as a, as a really good opportunity for him. He's going to have to still go out and prove himself and make the most when he gets goal scoring opportunities, when he gets an opportunity to put in a final ball, those types of details that he'll ultimately judge, be judged upon. But I think in terms of him building his confidence, it's the right type of environment for him at his age and the type of person that he is. I, I, I like the idea. Still got to prove it though. Okay, so we're 44 minutes into the show. I'm going to have my first flex of the day. And I had an opportunity to play against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu in 2005. And it was a friendly... Listen, Chuck, relax. Hey, no one cares, Jimmy. Hey, no one cares, Jimmy. You should. No one cares. Because, listen, listen, it it matters to what I'm going to say. This context is important. But what I learned in that... Biceps just bust through his sweatshirt right now. You know what I mean? Listen, listen. What what I learned in those 90 minutes and, and what I took back from that was that those guys, Zidane, Ronaldo, Raul, Beckham, Roberto Carlos, look at they were so efficient in their movements. They didn't waste energy. They didn't, they didn't make runs just to make runs. And I think Brendan Aronson wastes a lot of energy when, when he plays. And I think that is what I want to see from him grow as a player, is picking his spots into when to be an absolute maniac and chase things down, and when to be like, hey, that's not now that that moment isn't now i would only be going by myself it wouldn't be tethered with the rest of my team to try to close this down and so i i or or to try to take you know five guys on at once or whatever it may be so that is what i want to see him get better at and to evolve and mature does he show it at times of course he does but i want to see that more consistently from him so that would be the one thing now heath i know you got to go so i'm going to throw it to you as our resident left back let's talk jedi robinson where is he got to go He's got to leave in a few minutes. Well, Chuck, I can't control your internet connections. All right, I'll stay. I'll stay seven more. I'll stay seven more, Jimmy. I'll stay seven more minutes. So you don't have to come to me too. Seven. Okay. More. Well. Well. Anyway, you're the resident we'll left back. And, and, and Jedi yeah, Robinson. Jedi Robinson signed a five-year extension with Fulham. Now, he had been thrown out there uh, as potentially going to Manchester City, amongst other clubs. Do you like him staying at Fulham? He 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 come out and said to the fans who have stuck by me, which I think is an interesting part of the first sentence, to the fans who stuck by me, supported me ever since I've been at this club. It's been one hell of a ride. Some ups, some downs, especially off the back of last season. I just want to thank you for your massive support. I'm going to repay that support with a lot of hard work to improve myself and continue to grow as a team. I don't. I, it's hard not to read in between the lines there, but there's a couple I think, yeah. insinuations that like, Maybe they thought he just wanted to leave and go to Man City and, and now he's got to win back the fans a little bit. I don't know, but... No, I, uh, I, 
I was talking to Steve Trundle the other day, and he said, because uh, they moved that Mahalo Poku to, to Montreal, and he said, ultimately, a player value is dictated only by offers, right? We can sit and talk about 40 million, he's 50, he's 60. But if that offer isn't there and the opportunity doesn't come, I think he's in a great situation right now. Lock in, a, he's 25 years old. He's still got some upside to be able to then have a peak or top of his career move to somewhere else if that's what he wants on a personal level. But he's in a great spot there, and he's considered one of their key contributors and also knows that he's a player that had some really good games and some average games and a few bad games, right? But he's relied upon and trusted, and that's tough to find in any club, especially as a, as a left back, as we know. Everybody's looking for their next left back. Everybody's looking for somebody to replace them because no one's ever satisfied with with their, their left fullback or even the right fullbacks at time. And so I think, one, the market probably dictated the opportunities, but two... He's in a really great place, probably personally, professionally. And so why not sign a new deal? And uh, and if the right offer comes into the future, then 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 you'll get that, you know? And and maybe part of that new deal was them trying to raise the, the, the ceiling of what somebody would have to offer for him to get out. So he gets peace of mind of saying, probably not going to leave for a while because I'm too expensive. And yeah, overall, I think... Uh, we we sort of undervalue sometimes a re-signing of a player at a club of, of that value because of the hype that's being connected to with a with a Man City or otherwise that I think I think it's a good one for him. Yeah, what's interesting, Chuck, is the trust part that Heath brought up because he clearly is trusted by Marco Silva, who I I really regard as a manager. I, I like him. I think he's got a plan of how he wants Fulham to continue to grow, and I thought they were super competitive last year when not many people expected it. So I'm okay with that. I think he'll continue to grow as a player at Fulham but and, and if you go to City obviously being coached by Pep Guardiola would have been next level but you still would have to have earned his trust and and as we've seen even with Joao Cancelo that trust is uh can be thrown away very quickly um with with Pep Guardiola and, and obviously there's a bigger story there that we can get into later or you guys can discuss it on a, on morning footy but but with regard to to Jedi are you are you happy with this or do you feel like he's settled in some ways when there might have been opportunities to go to a bigger club you, you got to think what's best for him, what's best for his family. He's in the English Premier League. At the end of the day, he's going to be your starting left back for a Premier League team. You're, you're okay. And if Manchester City really want him or AC Milan or any of these big clubs that have come in for him in the past, then they're going to pay for him. So any player in that situation or most players in that situation are going to re-up, make more money, have, have that guarantee, which is five years, and then you you may maybe you have a a sell on uh, a buyout clause. Maybe there's a a, a right. number that benefits both the club and you, and you you settled on that, and you're happy because if a club is paying X amount for you, that means you're coming in as a number one. There, there's no there's no question that you know if you went to Manchester City, you don't know if you're playing. Look at what Jack Grealish had to go through or Riyad Mahrez. Our, you know, Riyad Mars was one of the uh, players of the season when Leicester won the, the Premier League. And he, Look at Zinchenko. Zinchenko is a good example of just leaving yeah, I mean, because Jesus he knew he was going to get his games at Arsenal. So there's part of you that's pushing to become the best version of yourself, and that means playing for arguably the best coach where you're, you're competing every single day. Mm. And you may not start from week to week. Maybe you start once a month, once every three months, whatever it is. Versus I know I'm playing every week and I'm playing in the best league in the world. I'm happy. My family's happy. I'm in London. I'm not moving. There, there's no reason for me to move. And consistency is everything. And, and your, your, your health and your happiness kind of, kind of come 
in front of like ambition at this point, just because he's he's already playing the World Cup. He's he's continuing to to thrive under under a new manager at, at Fulham. I I like this. I like this a lot because if a big club's going to come from, they're going to come from regardless. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. There's some uh, last news then from one of our players, uh, Timo Weah, who is going to play in Serie A with Juventus. Another reason to get Paramount Plus, everybody moving forward. Not only is Christian Pulisic going to Milan, but we got Timo Weah going to Juventus. So that's exciting. And obviously, Weston McKinney's future. Maybe he'll stay in Italy. We'll see. Or if he stays with Juve, we'll, we'll end up seeing what happens there. I know Roma had some interest too. But unfortunately for Timo Weah, no European football because Juve have agreed to UEFA's sanctions and they are going to drop out of the Europa Conference League, which is probably a competition they thought was beneath them anyway. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. In some ways, yes, it would have been cool to see Timo Weah participate in in a European competition. But now they really just have to focus on the league in Coppa Italia. I don't think it's the worst thing ever. And with Juan Cuadrado on his way out, I think it's really slated, especially under Maxi Allegri, for Timo Weah to kind of be that right wing back playing that Cuadrado role. Mm -hmm and doing it to, to great effect. And I actually, uh, you know, want to give a shout out to Leo for, for, and the managers there for, for t- putting team away on that spot. And I think it's made him a lot more dynamic from a deeper position. I think he can attack the space in different ways. And it seems like he's willing to defend, which is kind of cool, you know, and not, not everybody that signs up for those roles always likes to defend, but it seems like Timo's willing to do that work. And, and I think he'll excel under Allegri. So I'm very excited to see how he does uh, outside resident back for us outside back. He thoughts on Timo Weah before we let now you go. this, this is a one where I think versatility matters for Wea, right? And it, it, he's obviously high up the chart as the right winger for the men's national team, but he could play in a wing back system that keeps him on the field. He can even cover as a left wing back uh, knowing that that's a higher positional starting point. So that's one that I think when you talk about a depth of a squad and a club team, that's an environment where similar to where I thought Weston McKinney was when he first got to Juventus was, can he play enough positions in the midfield to be able to be on the field, right? Could he be a little more attacking? Could it be a little more defensive in that first year at Juventus? He proved that to where as players fell out or form fell out, he continued to be moved around. And I think way has that capability and that willingness and mentality to, to, to keep himself part of a conversation. Even if a player ahead of him is in better form, he'll likely still be somewhere on the field to contribute to this team. But it would have been nice to see him in the conference league because, you know, those things do matter. Okay, Chuck, thoughts on Timo Weah? What do you I wouldn't say? be watching, by the way, but those things do matter. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's a massive club. It's a great opportunity for him, another step in the right direction. I think the fact that they're not playing in Champions League less games, less wear and tear. It's it's probably beneficial for him just to focus on Serie A week in and week out, the preparation, getting used to it. Obviously, Weston McKinney, he, he probably picked up a lot of, of information on, on what to expect from Allegri and, and their, their style of play. So I'm confident that he will continue to thrive. And, and it's given him the edge. When you see him play, he plays with a maturity and, and almost an understanding that, I can do, I'll do more than anyone I'm playing against. I know how to defend. I can take it from anybody, but also I have the goods to attack. And in Nations League, he was phenomenal. Both both games. Both yeah, games. I'm, I'm excited to see how Timo Weah plays and how he fits into Juve's scheme. I think he's going to be an excellent addition to the squad. And I, I love that sign. And he got him for a great price too. So I think there's a tremendous amount of upside there. All right, I'm going to call it a show, but I want to do final thoughts here. Uh, 24 years ago today, July 10th, 1999, the U.S. women's national team beat China in penalties at the Rose Bowl 
to win the 1999 World Cup. And uh, that was a real watershed moment for women's sports. And and Brandy Chastain had that famous celebration where she ripped off her shirt after scoring the winning penalty and had her sports bra on. And just just a really powerful moment for that team and, and for the positive ripple effects that it's had on that team moving forward. I got to see them play yesterday in their 2-0 win over Wales as they prepare for the World Cup down in Australia, New Zealand. I'm excited to see how they're going to perform as they start to transition from their last two winning World Cup teams into something of a new mode that's a little bit uh, Alyssa Thompson, Trinity Rodman, Sophia Smith uh, focused. So it's going to be really exciting to see how they play and perform. But I wanted to give a shout out to that because that team was, the 1999 team was so important to really planting the seed for what was possible for women's sports. And and uh, I don't know if we, even though they are celebrated, I don't know if we celebrate them enough. So I just wanted to give them a shout out. I don't know if you guys want to add to those final thoughts, but uh, definitely excited My, for this Women's World Cup this summer. What I'll add to it is somebody is messing with the SEO, Jimmy, and that for the last few days, if you search on Google USMNT results, USMNT anything, the women's national team comes straight up. The <laughs> I love against that. Wales. So I love that. We're, all, we're shifting everything to the Women's World Cup, deservedly so, but I dare you to go on your uh, uh, search, search engine right now and search USM. Men's national team results and the women's all the women's stuff comes up, which is it's pretty rad. Someone's I love hijacking I love it and, and 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 I love it. Chuck, how about you? I guess I, I'd finish I'd finish out with um, Megan Rapino announcing her retirement and love her. What what an icon uh, for for in our sport and what she's been able to do for the women's game uh, and and just I think overall just having the courage to stand up for for what is right. So. Uh, Huge props to her in her career. Hope she, hopefully, she goes out with a, with a trophy, a World Cup trophy. Um, but uh, it's it's been a long ride. It's been an honor. We got I got to meet her at the McDonald's All American game in high school, and she's just uh, she's just a baller. She's yeah. Well, deal. I went to college with her, so whatever, guys. You All know, right. So flex, Heath know. Heath won the rest of us zero, but I absolutely adore Megan Rapino, and I'm very curious to see what she does next because I think she'll be a hell of a pundit and be a lot of fun to watch no matter what she decides to do. All right, that's the show. On behalf of Producer Des, Producer Alex, Heath, Chuck, and myself, Conradino, thank you for listening to Watching the Soccer We Trust, and we will see you Wednesday after the semifinal, the U.S. taking on Panama. So make sure you tune in and hit like and subscribe and all that good stuff. We'll see you then. Later!